Not bad at all. Three out of four is good, man. You know, as much as, as the Yankees are hot, if they were to take two out of four, they still wouldn't have lost the series. So statistically, that was okay. But it would have felt wrong because the White Sox played such bad baseball and the Yankees felt it felt like they were playing so much better than them all series. Um, that I feel like a three out of four was much needed. And it's great to do it. So we're hot and we're going to talk about it in this episode 368. Let's get to it. This is RJ Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Welcome to the show, welcome to the podcast, episode 368 of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA now too. Yankees every series, Knicks every game, MMA on the weekends. Uh, The Yankees just took three out of four from the Chicago White Sox. Um, Now we split this series in half. Um, here on the podcast, we um, did an episode after the first two games where the Yankees took that 2-0 and then we just, um, and now we're doing the episode of the latter two games where they split. So they took three out of four overall, now 25 wins on the season, just nine losses, now 18 wins in 21 games. Look at that. 18-3, that is, in the Yankees' last 21 games. It's just remarkable. They go on an 11-game streak. That ends. They go right back on a 5-game streak. That ends, and then they bounce back immediately with the victory. And hopefully a lot more because we have a big um, week ahead if we can take advantage of the schedule here with four, four more against the Orioles at Camden Yards. But... Yep, we're going to talk about this series, this Yanks-White Sox series, the Yankees win. So, welcome to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. And again, you are listening to episode 368 of BD4. Thanks for thanks for joining. I was going to say thanks for tuning in and joining at the same time. And it kind of came out, thanks for joining. Thanks for joining the podcast and listening in. Um, of course, if you want to listen to the podcast... And you have not subscribed yet, be sure to subscribe if you feel so. Um, and if you want to download download these episodes, be sure to do that as well. You know where to find the show on all the listening platforms. You can also watch the video format of this podcast 
which is located now on Spotify and also YouTube. Um, oh, um, some breaking news here for those of you who do follow my blog. The website hasn't been down for me at least the last couple of months, but it's finally back up. So the good news is we will start blogging again. Um, going to try to do, you know, an article every series, kind of like we do with the podcast. So if I'm around and available to do a series recap tomorrow morning, I should have one out tomorrow. Uh, there's definitely going to be one out before the game on uh, at 7 tomorrow night. But, excuse me. Uh, yeah, so on ultimatesportsnetworks.com, if you're new here, I have a blog I write for them. Uh, it's called the Bomber Bocker Blog. So if you go to ultimatesportsnetworks.com and put into the search bar the Bomber Bocker Blog, you will find my blog. Um, if you want to subscribe to my blog, the Bomber Bocker Blog, be sure to do so using promo code 6A2841ERJC. This way, you get a discount 10% off everything. Um, so, we write Yankees and Knicks content on there. So, um, I was just watching some of the um, the NBA games. Um, well, you know, the Bucks celtics game took place earlier today. The Suns-Dallas game just finished up. And, dude, two game sevens entering today. You were thinking they were going to be very exciting. You know, and they're both blowouts. They're both blowout losses, pretty boring losses. Um, it's the, the Milwaukee Bucks, the reigning champs, getting knocked out. And it's also, shockingly, the Phoenix Suns getting knocked out of the tournament by the Mavericks tonight. Dude, it just never, it, for the Bucks, it just never felt right. It always felt like this season they were a step off, step behind from what they were last year. Um, and obviously the Chris Middleton injury, I'm sure that took a big toll on them. But yeah, it sucks for them. I was watching that game. I had some money on it. Of course, I did not cash in that bet. That's always fun to not win bets. I do that often. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, Credit to the Celtics. Props to them. I mean, for the Celtics, like, they were this mediocre, underachieving team for a while, right? Felt like that during Brad Stevens' last couple seasons. Um, this guy, Yudoka, comes in. He shakes up the playbook. They look a lot better. But there's still some questions early on. Tatum and Brown, can they play together? And then they get really hot to finish out the season. And then they are on a roll right now in the playoffs. And I would not be shocked if they found a way to beat Miami. But you all know. Miami has been my sleeper pick from the Eastern Conference from day one. So look out for the Heat because they could definitely make that a good series. Um, for the Suns, man, Jesus Christ. I mean, it, it's they, this team looked like you could not beat them. They looked like they were a lock to at least make it to the finals. Um, but unfortunately, you know, one of their best players is, what, nearing 40 soon? I know he's at least in his mid-30s, and Chris Paul, he's battling injuries, he might have to get some surgery, I don't know what the deal is, he's always nursing something, and that's unfortunate, uh, Booker didn't show up, at least for the first half when the game mattered, yeah, it sucked to see them go out like this, because I, I just kept telling my buddy, like, it's the Suns, you guys are dominant, you're gonna beat the Mavericks, there's no way this isn't a sweep, and the Mavericks take them to seven, and very impressively, blow the shit out of them. I think they were up by 46 points in Arizona tonight. So, 
Uh, but we're here to talk baseball. Um, I'm going to talk Yankees in a second. First, we're going to head to break. And when we get back, we'll start the show. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey guys, so I've noticed that only a small portion of you who watch BD4 on YouTube are actually subscribed. So if you do enjoy this podcast and maybe you want to be notified when new episodes release, I'd consider subscribing and also hitting that notification bell. This way we can help the channel grow and you won't miss a single episode of BD4. Alright, let's get back to it. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to episode 368 of BD4. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. I was um going around the league in the MLB. And I saw, I came across a headline. <laughs> the, uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates got no hit tonight versus the Cincinnati Reds, who have been terrible all season. Here's the catch. The Reds lost the game. I mean, if that's not the most 2022 Cincinnati Reds thing in the world, I don't know what is. Um, I, what's worse, getting no hit and winning or pitching a no hitter and taking the loss? Now, was this, a, I don't know if it was a combined no hitter. I haven't checked the box score or if it was an actual individual no hitter. Um, I do know Hunter Hunter Green pitched for the Reds. Uh, that's the dude who throws 105, I believe. Um, but I don't know if it was him for nine innings. I'd have to check. But that's got to suck. To be able to pitch a no-hitter and lose the game. Oh my gosh. Jesus. I got a buddy that's a Pirates fan. Interesting night for him. <laughs> you know, because he had the... Uh, his team gets no-hit, but they win. And then his... Uh, He's also a Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, Pittsburgh uh, Penguins fan who just lost Game Seven of uh, of the playoffs. I don't know if it was the first round. I don't watch hockey, but to the to the Rangers, um, I did tune in to that overtime, which was pretty cool. Kind of wish I still watched hockey. It's a fun sport when you get into it. it. It's I like I like sports where scoring is not often because when it happens, it's more exaggerated. Used to be baseball. Remember the old four to two scores? <laughs> now you 
got two touchdowns to one touchdown. He got 15-7 like we saw in the first game of this set. So the Yankees, let's talk about them before we waste any more of your time. Um, of course, like I said at the top of the show, in episode 367, we discussed the first two games of the series, which the Yanks took. So go check out 367 if you want to watch or if you want to uh, hear some of my takes from the first half of this series. Uh, so for this episode, 368, we're going to be talking about games three and four, which took place Saturday, Sunday. So let's talk about game one. Uh, but first, let's start this episode up with our NYY, NYK MMA question of the day. Do a little trivia. All right, welcome back to the show. So for episode 368, oh, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, yeah, 368, our NYYNYK MMA question of the day is, true or false, David Cohn's perfect game in 1999 was his only start of the season where he did not allow an earned run. True or false? David Cohn's perfect game in 1999 was his only start of the season where he did not allow an earned run. Alright, so let me know the answer wherever you can reach me. If you get it correct, I'll give you a shout out. If you get it incorrect, but you at least attempt to guess the answer, I'll let you know what the answer is in the next episode. One last time, true or false? David Cohn's perfect game in 1999 was his only start of the season where he did not allow an earned run. Is that true or false? All right. So with that out of the way, let's talk about it. Let's get to game three of this series against the White Sox. All right, so, yeah, man, um, good win. <laughs> Definitely a good win. Uh, or, no, this was a loss. Oh, yeah, this was a game where, I, where they came back and lost. Okay. Uh, they lost this one 2-1, to one, the Yankees, uh, on Saturday night. It was um, Montgomery versus Keuchel. Now, if I look down occasionally, it's because I'm having I have my notes in paper today. Um, I'm not reading them off my tablet. I don't want to use too much of the CPU because that's how it sometimes gets choppy at the end of the show. Uh, at least the video format of the show. So I'm reading them on paper tonight. Uh, but you know, so if you see me looking down here and there, that's why. Uh, but this game, you know, top of the first inning, you had the DJ LeMayu leadoff single. Uh, but nothing happened there. Judge struck out and then Rizzo bounced into the double play. Bottom of the first Jordan Montgomery struggles, 26 pitches in the inning. Uh, I know last year he was a slow starter too. It took him a bit to find his pitches. And he's got so many pitches that that's probably a reason why. But um, yeah, this, this start at least kind of resembles last year where he struggled out the gate. Um, Tim Anderson picked up a leadoff base hit. And then you had uh, later on the one-out RBI base hit from Luis, is it Luis Robert? Because I think K says like the Americanized versions of everybody's name, but I'm pretty sure it's not Robert, it's Luis Robert. He gets the one out RBI base hit um, on the 10th pitch of the at-bat. It was a, a little bit of a hanging change up 
And then uh, it's one nothing Chicago after the first frame. Top of the second, you get the Stanton leadoff double. You get the Gallo two-out walk, but I think that was it. The Yankees stranded them both. Bottom of the second, nice bounce back from Montgomery. A quick 14-pitcher, 14-pitch, 1-2-3 inning for the left-hander. Um, Yanks go 1-2-3 in the third. Bottom of the third, Montgomery gets bit again. He leaves a fastball up to Moncada for a dead center field home run. It's 2 nothing. Chicago, and it was that way for a while. Top of the fourth, the Yankees strand a Stanton one-out base hit. Bottom of the fourth, Monty, another good inning. Gets the line out. Couple of walks in there, but then gets a double play to escape the frame. Top of the fifth inning, IKF, a one-out base hit. DJ and Judge then draw some two-out walks. Get the mound visit, so the bases are loaded. Yankees down two. Rizzo takes the plate as the leading run, and he grounds out. To end the inning. Bottom of the fifth, uh, Montgomery strikes out Moncada and he walks Luis Robert. Um, three walks for Monty on the night, and then uh, he's pulled for Schmidt right there. And Clark Schmidt, you know, called up just recently, gets the job done. Uh, Monty goes four innings and a third. We will get to him. Keuchel goes five innings, four hits, no runs. Um, you know, man, for, for some reason. I had a feeling, like with Keuchel, um, he used to be a Yankee killer in his like earlier days with the the Astros, but then we found the we kind of like solved him. We found a solution to hit him, and obviously these last couple of seasons, this season in particular, he's kind of been washed, not the same pitcher at least, and I feel like a soft thrower like him, at his end, I feel like it was the perfect matchup for the Yankee lineup. But I also felt like it was so perfect that it was one of those things where it may have been too perfect and the Yankees weren't going to hit him. And that's kind of exactly what happened. <laughs> so he goes five innings. The Yankees don't do much off him. Top of the sixth, Donaldson versus Graveman. He draws a one-out walk, uh, but then Glaber um, hits into a double play. Bottom of the sixth, Schmidt, another good inning from him. He goes one, two, three. Um, top of the seventh, the Yankees go down one, two, three on ten pitches. Bottom of the seventh, Schmidt lets up a couple of base hits, but he works out of it. And then the top of the eighth, the Yankees threaten. They do threaten, but they do not do enough. Um, or was that the inning where they did do enough? No, I don't think they scored that inning. I think it was... Let's see, I have... Oh, yeah, Judge and Rizzo draw a couple of one-out walks. Um... Versus Joe Kelly. So you got runners on the corners for Stanton. Who drops in an RBI base hit. Exit Velo folks. You know that's twice. That was twice in this game. Where Stanton hits a ball. And it's like 70 something off the bat. Right. We're so used to the uh, the 100 something mile an hour. Hits from him. <laughs> 70 something off the bat. Um. That's, uh, that's when Joe Kelly is pulled for Liam Hendricks. Uh, Hendricks, in a 2-1 to one game, uh, you, know, you, you, see, you see Rizzo swipe third base here. And then, this is during the Donaldson at bat. Rizzo swipes third, but you have Hicks, who stays at first for some reason, not aware. I don't know what he was doing, but a very Hicks moment. So you've got first and third with one out. Um, now for... Uh, for the Yankees. And then that's that's when Donaldson flops against Hendricks. And he goes down swinging behind a fastball. 
Um, then Hicks takes second base, but that's when Glaber Torres then strikes out. He also goes down swinging. Uh, bottom of the eighth comes, and the Yankees, you know, get good pitching. You got Clay Holmes in the game, and he gets two quick outs, then a base hit, but then he strikes out Adam Engel. Top of the ninth comes, and that's when the Yankees, you know, that lineup just continuing to display their gigantic balls. Um, yeah, I mean, shit. Like, I, I get they lost the game, but the lineup just shows you how resilient they are. Gallo draws a walk on a very close call for ball four. Puts together a great at-bat. Um, IKF slaps a base hit the other way for first and third with no outs for Kyle Higashioka. Now, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, great. It's Higgy. Higgy's not known for his bat. Higgy's been terrible all season with the bat. Um... And then he goes down 0-2 very briefly, so I'm thinking, great, this is definitely not going to end well. And, you know, nevertheless, he ends up putting the bat on the ball, and he puts together a big sack fly. Um, the thing is, you know, while it was nice that he put decent wood on it and tied the game at 2, at the same time, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, just with a completely boneheaded decision to try and advance to third base on that fly ball. So the whole idea of, of, you know, trying to take second base there to, to avoid the double play don't matter because we end up getting doubled up anyway. I don't know if IKF was trying to bait the throw, uh, but Gallo was not getting thrown out there by any chance. Um, but IKF, I, I don't, yeah, it was dumb. You've got, you've got DJ LeMayu coming up the very next at-bat, so... You'd be on second base for him. All he needs to do is slap a single to right field, and you're in. You have Judge after that. One swing, there's two runs on the board right there. I don't know what he was thinking, but it was a very dumb decision by him. And um, unfortunately, that was not even the worst part of the night. Uh, the worst part of the night was also a pretty predictable part of the night, to be honest. In the bottom of the ninth, Chapman, a notorious choker, uh, does his usual, and he chokes. <laughs> He gets the nine-hitter to fly out to Aaron Hicks, but then the lineup flips, and you go back to Tim Anderson. And, you know, this is when I knew, in my opinion, um, this is when I knew... Uh, first of all, I knew he was getting a hit there no matter what he does. And then I, I knew the game was over, because as soon as Anderson gets on base, you know he's going to attempt to steal. And when Araldus Chapman has guys on base, we see how it lets him rattle. It lets it rattle him. And it obviously did. Um, Anderson getting the lead, just, just a, a complete threat to go. Chapman can't find the zone. He walks the number two hitter because he's clearly rattled with Anderson on first base. He's not going to his splitter, which has worked well for him. And he's kind of abandoning it this year. Um, and he's just misfiring everything. Then he gives up the walk-off base hit to the number three hitter. Who was it? Luis Robert. And, and that was, uh, that was the game. The Yankees lost. And Chapman did it again. Listen, I, I've never been the biggest fan of Chapman um, as a baseball player, even as a human being. I think he and Domingo Herman should be picking up trash on the interstate right now. But as a closer, it's not been great for Chapman these last couple of years. And I've been a big fan of, of, of wanting somebody else in there. Entering the season, I've been advocating for, I, was, I wanted Johnny Lasagna. I don't know that I want that now, but I think 
the way Clay Holmes has pitched, maybe he deserves it. But I mean, it's it's really bad right now for Chapman. It's like right now, maybe you can get away with just closing him, and, and you hope that that was just a fluke. But if we're talking playoffs, this is not a guy I want pitching for the Yankees in those spots. I, I've never. I'm sorry. I just the taste in my mouth from the last couple seasons, just the way the seasons are ending. Him giving up big hits, no thank you. How many times do we have to see it? Um, he's older now. He's 34. His command seems to have gotten worse. In fact, I saw a stat after the game. He has now walked 36 batters in his last 42 innings. What the hell? <laughs> so, Clay Holmes, Wandy Peralta, Michael King, pick one. But I would prefer Holmes. Um, but, oh, fuck, that scared the shit out of me. Fucking, uh, oh, we're going to keep that part in there just for shits. I, um, the wire just like was on the edge of the table. It just fell off. and It was the corner of my eye. I'm just thinking it's like a rat or some shit. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Oh my fuck. That scared me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I don't know. Don't want him in there. He's not the guy for me. And it's unfortunate because he's going to continue to be their closer, at least for the regular season, because I just feel like his name and his contract is going to keep him in that spot, definitely. But if you're Aaron Boone, first of all, I don't know why he was in that game. It's a 2-2 game. Not sure why he was pitching. Also, why wasn't anybody warming up? Because, you know, Aaron Boone often, when Chapman gets in trouble, will start throwing somebody. Didn't happen. And so the Yankees lose. Um, but, you know, as bad as that was, the lineup, in my opinion, was the main culprit of this game. They could not get the job done. Uh, the Yankees, just two runs on nine hits, an extra base hit, four walks, eight strikeouts, grounded into two double plays, went one for eight in scoring position, and left eight men on base. Uh, Stanton leads with three hits in RBI. Um with Higgy also leading with RBIs with one, and Stanton gets the extra base hit to lead the team. All but two Yankees, I believe it was Glaber and Higashioka, had reached base that game. And, yeah, I mean, sorry, just trying to pull it up here. He had an RBI. Oh, Higgy. Higgy also led with RBIs with one, um, and then Stanton had an extra base hit in there. All but two Yankees. Glaber and Higashioka reached base. Um, again, Higgy got that sack fly. DJ, Judge, and IKF were the other three Yankees to reach base two times or more. Uh, yeah, like I said, you know the Yanks lineup is is a nightmare lineup for Keuchel at this point in his career, which is why I felt like he was, you know, due to have a good outing against them. Um, you know, one of those too good to be true things. What else this game? Uh, Glaber's at-bats look like they are improving. Um, Rizzo is in a big slump to where I was kind of questioning should he still be batting three as a 220 hitter at the moment. But then I'm like, well, we don't really have another three hitter if you take Rizzo away from the three spot. It is kind of Judge, but they're not going to move. Judge is the staple as the two. 
and I kind of don't want to mess with anything right now. So I would just keep him at the three and hope that he can turn it around soon enough because he has been on a bender for a bit. Um, did get the hit this game. You have to kind of start that rally. But for a while, he's been hitting pretty brutal. Um, Pitching-wise, Montgomery gives you four and a third. Six hits, two runs, three walks, four strikeouts in this game. One home run allowed, 86 pitches thrown. Again, it, you know, it was a pretty uninspiring, out-of-rhythm effort for Montgomery. The body language was kind of off all game. He was working slow throughout the game. Couldn't find the zone early. You know, like I said, like he usually does that. Um, and But like he usually does, he was, you know, he wasn't this time. He wasn't getting first pitch strikes at the same rate. Um, there was one point in the game where he only had half of the batters he faced throwing first pitch strikes to. So, you know, it, whatever. Um, I, I think he said in the post game that he didn't have a single pitch working for him. The curve especially. If you're watching that game, it didn't really look sharp. Um, hence the even distribution between all of his pitches. Uh, I was listening to Talking Yanks, and they said he threw his curve 20% of the time, his four-seamer 24%, his changeup 25%, and his sinker ball 29%. So they were all pretty much close together in terms of the amount he used each of those pitches. Usually he'll lean on one or two a lot more than the bottom two. Um, but I'm sure, you know, some of this is part of that, you know, he's just sick and tired of getting no run support. He's tired of the BS. The Yankees literally do not score for this kid. Um, yes, yet, uh, yes Network showed a graphic during the middle of the telecast saying that the Yankees have not scored more than two runs this season for him yet. That was his seventh start. That's pretty gross. So... I think I had a bet with my buddy in a preseason episode that Montgomery would have over 12 and a half wins by the end of the year. He's got zero wins, guys, and it's May 15th as I record. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But um, you know, I guess the good thing is he continues to pitch well, right? If that was a bad start for Montgomery, four and a third, two runs allowed, you'll take it. Uh, in the bullpen, I feel like we just discussed that about Chapman. Uh, defensively, pretty garbage lately. Um, in this one, Glaber dropped two pickoff attempts. Uh, the first one, he definitely could have had him. Uh, but he dropped two pickoff attempts, both by Jordan Montgomery. And, you know, pretty sloppy there. But other than that, you know, it was a, it was a good loss. Like, like, the Yankees aren't losing a ton of games this year in blowouts. Like, the games they lose, they could have easily won. So I guess that's the positive, is the Yankees continue to win games and the games that they lose they barely lose you know not to sound like i'm getting soft on them but like that's a that's the sign of a, of a good team a team who knows what they're doing right um and that was the the, the third game of the set we're gonna talk about game four the final game of this set when we return from break stay with us we will be right back So, if you guys want to follow me on social media, be sure to do so right now. I'm on Facebook at RJ Carbone, and I'm also on Instagram at Rob J Carbone. Once again, if you want to find me on Facebook, that is RJ Carbone. Instagram at Rob J Carbone.
So BD4 is on so many platforms to listen to. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can find us on our sponsor, Anchor, and many other listening platforms as well, wherever you get your podcasts. But we are also available to watch on YouTube. So if you want to watch us on YouTube, go subscribe there. But if you prefer to listen to us, again, many, many, many listening platforms. Just be sure to subscribe, download, give us a rating, a review, comment, share the podcast, and all that fun stuff. This is BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. All right, folks. Now, if you are listening to BD4 on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a five-star rating and a review, if you so please. So once again, this is if you are listening to BD4 on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review. Thank you. All right, so welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and you are listening to episode 368 of BD4. So the Yankees took this one. Uh, they took this the the final game of this four game set to make it three out of four. They won five to one. You had nasty Nestor Cortez going up against um, solid young pitcher Michael Kopech, the, the, the kid that the Boston Red Sox traded along with you know Mancata um, for for Chris Sale at the time. Top of the second, the Yankees cracked the board first. Always like to see them score early. Uh, with two outs, we end up getting three runs off of walks. <laughs> Joey Gallo walks. IKF slaps a base hit to left field. Hicks and DJ both walk with the bases loaded to bring a couple of runs in. It's 2-0. Uh, Michael Kopech was not even near the zone for a lot of this inning. So, you know, some luck of the... of the Whatever there, I don't know. Luck of... Some luck. Some luck there. I was trying to find some kind of play on word or pun to use um but then you got the wild pitch to Aaron Judge which also scores a run Trevino comes home and it's 3-0 Yankees bottom of the third Nestor is just cruising out there with the almost immaculate third inning I think he would have become the first pitcher in MLB history to pitch two immaculate innings in one season I'm just totally guessing but I'm pretty sure nobody has done that um he strikes out McGuire Anderson and Harrison. I think Harrison, who was the middle batter of the inning, that at bat went four pitches. I think he fouled the pitch off. But um, yeah, he he, he was good. Uh, Kopech then rediscovered his fastball after that one bad inning in the second, and uh, he went ended up going six innings, three runs for a quality start. Uh, we'll talk about him, oh, Nestor. We'll talk about Nestor in a second. Uh, but Kopech. Ended up pitching a quality start. They said on Yes Network that after the four walks, or I think it was three walks in the second inning, after the second inning, uh, that Kopech and the White Sox pitchers ended up retiring 21 Yankees in a row. So it was pretty brutal. And, and, you know, they only had two hits overall in the entire game anyway, so they weren't really doing jack offensively outside of that second inning. Um, even in the second inning, like I said, it was mainly walks. Um, so Kopech was, Kopech was perfect outside the second inning. Um, but yeah, top of the seventh comes the Yanks do nothing off of Bill Burr. 
Um, top of the eighth, Lopez is in, still nothing. And the bottom of the eighth comes, and you have the solo home run by, um, I don't know who it was. I think it was Angle. Top of the ninth, Ruiz in. The Yanks finally tack on, though. Finally get back on the board. Um, entering the Gallo at bat, they were getting one hit by Chicago. Um, but Donaldson walks, and that brings up Gallo. He takes the plate. It's a 2-2 count. He spits on a fastball. It's 3-2, and then he goes yard on another fastball, jacking one out for the 5-1 lead. It was good to get some insurance runs in there. Bottom of the ninth, we saw Clay Holmes come into the game and close it out. Gets a bunch of ground balls, um, and yeah, he does the job. He <laughs> That sinker, man. Listen, I like I said, give me Holmes. If you're going to close the game, Give me homes. You know, I hope this is what they do, um, at least down the stretch. You know, if they're not going to do it right now, if Chapman continues to struggle, I would love for Clay Holmes to get these opportunities. Um, I want my closer to throw strikes and keep the ball on the ground, right? And Clay Holmes does both. Obviously, he's got that sinker, which sits at 99. That shit's disgusting. And he gets ground balls because of that. And he pounds the zone. And he limits home runs. Like, he's he's the guy I want closing. He's the anti-Roldis Chapman. Somebody with command. Um, and, you know, they did say preseason, if you remember, they did say that Chapman's going to see a lot more eighth inning setup innings this season. So just keep that in mind. Um, Nestor Cortez, though. I mean, he was obviously, Nestor Cortez was the story of this game, um, as he usually is in games he pitches, right? One second. He was amazing, um, and, and Nestor Cortez is actually, um, he's he's actually, I, I think I was looking at the leaderboards, and he's leading, now the leading, the American League in earned run average after today. <laughs> he's just dominating. I, eight innings, okay, and as you can see on the screen, that was the only run allowed there was that solo slap, and he was getting hard, hit hard that inning. He was getting hit hard. I really wanted him to go nine, but, you know, he was getting slapped around a bit. So I was like, all right, maybe eight. We'll, we'll stop there and call it a night. But he goes eight strong innings, allows three hits only, one run, does not walk a batter, strikes out seven, one home run allowed, just that homer there, and uh, 99, 99 pitches. Uh, yeah, it, it's just like... Uh, you know, usually when pitchers throw a no-hitter, or not throw a no-hitter, but usually when they come off a really good outing like that, or they flirt with a no-hitter, sometimes you'll see them, whoops, I got the wrong graphic up. Um, you know what? Give me one second here. I actually forgot to make the, uh, the three graphics, the two feature players, the two feature position players of the series, and the, the starting pitcher featured starting pitcher of the series. I didn't make the graphics for them, or I forgot to download them onto the software, but I'll just read them off anyway. Um, Nestor Cortez is our feature starting pitcher, as I said. He went eight innings, only have one run. You know, usually, like I was saying, as if you have, if you come off an outing where you pitch a no-hitter or you were very close to getting one, I feel like the next outing for that pitcher is kind of a more of a mediocre to below average outing. <laughs> Obviously, that wasn't the case. I mean, to go eight innings... 
forget the impressive part, just him doing his thing. It, it's great that we saved the bullpen, right? We only had to use Clay Holmes, who barely threw any pitches in the ninth there. Um, but yeah, and, and it's just one more lineup that Nestor Cortez does damage against. This is a good lineup in the White Sox. They've got good hitters. Not the most disciplined hitters. They're going up there. You know, they're not going to get cheated. They're going to hack. But it's a good lineup. And he made them look like a youth baseball lineup. He did. Um, and he was generating ground balls. You know, he only had seven strikeouts, which, you know, for him, that I guess that's below average this season for him. But he's getting a lot of ground balls to the left side. He and Donaldson, you know, the, the, the best one-two in the game. I mean, how many ground balls was Donaldson getting? Uh, he had at least six. Um, but yeah, he, his defense today, Josh Donaldson was tremendous. Um, there was that diving stop in one of the later innings there gets up and makes a rocket of a throw. He's got a laser of an arm. Um, and it's funny cause right before that diving play happened, I was joking. Well, not joking. I was talking to my brother and I'm like, you know, who do you think's the better defensive shortstop? Uh, metrics aside, uh, because I know the metrics aren't the most kind to Geo. I'm like, do you think the eye test, like talking the eye test, do you think it's Geo? Do you think it's Josh? And I'm like, well, you know what? I feel like Geo was more athletic, but Josh, I haven't seen him misplay a play yet. And as soon as I say Geo was a lot more athletic, Donaldson goes and makes that play. Um, he's definitely got the stronger arm. Uh, I was a little concerned about the arm because I know one of the seasons, I think it was his last with Toronto or maybe before he left the twins he remember he couldn't make the throw to first for a while there's something wrong with the arm but you go watch his highlights of today he's he was displaying that arm strength uh but yet yeah, cortez has been amazing uh, and cliche alert nestor cortez is a pitcher not a thrower you, you hear that all the time but this is one of those moments where it's very very true he knows how to pitch he paints the black he was getting some respect calls today that could have went either way um, but yeah, he, he was he was on the edges in the corners doing his thing, and he very well deserved this featured starting pitcher of this series um, recognition tonight. Uh, offensively, the Yankee bats produced five runs on two hits, one extra base hit, five walks, six strikeouts, zero for one in scoring position, just two left on base. You know, can't strand many runners when you don't put many on to begin with. Um, you know, it was actually pretty impressive. That they, they were able to compile five runs with how trash that offense was today. Um, so shout out to Joey Gallo for, for getting them to five at the end there. Um, but yeah, the, the two featured players of this series, uh, you got to look at Giancarlo Stanton as one of them. Uh, he had eight hits this series. Um, a bunch of RBIs, bunch of extra base hits in there. He's got the second best batting average on the Yankees. That second best batting average on the Yankees is Giancarlo Stanton. Um, and I think because obviously he's going to hit you home runs, but he's got a lot of singles in there too. Um, so, you know, he's he's only got one double, no triples. So he's when he's not hitting the home run, he's, he's getting some singles in there, mixing it up. Judge is hot too. Judge had a good series. Uh, so he had that 456-foot shot didn't he? Uh, so yeah, I love what I'm seeing from both of them. Um, when they're both hot at the same time, it, it, the, you're going to see some, some run lines like you're seeing, 
you're going to see 15 to 7. You're going to see 10 runs after you score 50. You're going to see a lot of that. I mean, these guys are just so ridiculously powerful. Um, I know I joke all the time about how exit velocity is so, uh, you know, it's everywhere now and it's annoying, but the, the amount of, of exit velocity these two generate, it's different than a lot of other players in this league. I mean, it's another level of hitting it hard. Um, so it's fun. When they're both hot at the same time, it is, it is a joy. I don't think there's anybody better to watch than when Judge and Stanton get hot. Um, for the Yankees. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, what else do we have here? Like I said, Glaber continuing to put up good at-bats. Um, now, I was listening to Talking Yanks, and John Boy was saying something that I thought was very, very true. Um, how, like, Glaber Torres, he's already clutch, right? And that's the reason why he's pinch-hitting a lot. But now, some of the, if you look at the splits, and they'll tell you he's mashing lefties, and he's not hitting very great against righties. And the reason, it's, it's like the Yanks are going to see that, see how clutch he's been. They're going to see how great he's been against lefties, and they might use that ag against him as a starter. So it's kind of unfortunate that Glaber's been clutch and, and mashing lefties because it's like a lose-lose for him, and they might just try and keep him as a pinch hitter. Instead of playing him every day. Like, that's that's kind of working against him. I thought that was a good point he brought up. Um, what else do we have down here? Uh, Lasagna, I wanted to bring up. He's, again, he kind of gets hit around a bit this series. Um, allows a run in one of the earlier games of the series. Um, in 14 games this year, he's allowed a base runner in 10 of those. Uh, it's not looking good right now. I don't know. He's getting hit hard. He's getting hit very hard. A lot of hard... Line drives against Lasagna. A lot of bombs when he allows a home run. Um, that two-seam in particular is not the same. It's getting shelled. I, I don't know. Command? Uh, his velocity is down a tick. Maybe he's hurt. I don't know. Maybe he's tipping his pitches. But right now it's not good for Lasagna. Um, other than that, him and Chapman, the pitching's been very solid. And like we were just saying, the bats have been tremendous. Even guys like Joey Gallo has been swinging the bat better of late. Um, he's hitting more singles lately. Talked about Stanton hitting singles, but Joey Gallo's hitting singles. Um, 12 of his 17 hits on the year are singles. And I want to talk a little more about that when we get back from break. Stay with us. We will be right back. Hey, guys. I hope you're enjoying this episode. But first... I also want to let you know, I have another blog. The blog I'm writing for is on ultimatesportsnetworks.com, titled The Bomber Bocker Blog. If you want to go subscribe to this blog, you should do so using my promo code 6A2841ERJC. Using that, you'd get a discount $7.99 a month get the best Knicks and Yankees opinionated content around. Once again, guys, the Bomber Bocker blog on ultimatesportsnetworks.com using promo code 6A2841ERJC, $7.99 a month.
right, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You're listening to episode 368 of the podcast, BD4. So we were saying, Joey Gallo, of his 17 hits this season, 12 of them are singles. Now, I, I like that. And why I like that? Because I feel like with Gallo, the power is always going to be there with him. He's going to find a way to hit at least 30 jacks. But if he starts adding in more singles, the most frequent type of hits of the four hits, if he starts adding that in there, then maybe that batting average, that on-base percentage, trends towards more of a respectable number and not a number that makes me want to kill myself. You know, I mean, I that would be nice. You know, a lot of his hits too, a lot of those singles are going the other way. Some of his home runs have been the other way. Um, now, John Boy was also saying on Talking Yanks when I was listening earlier that five, he had five non-bunt opposite field singles all of last season. He had five. He's already got five of those this season. Non-bunt other way singles. So I don't know, man. Does he? Is it something where like he realizes that the shift is going to be gone next season, and he's starting to adjust so he can be a better, you know, batting average slash on base percentage guy? Or is it the latter? Is it that four outfield shift in particular? Is that kind of taking away those doubles? Or are we just reading way too much into it? And this is just Gallo on a decent stretch. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, heading into today. So this is excluding today's game where he was one for three. Um, he's batting 267 with a 933 OPS in his last 16 games. So again, that excludes today where he walked, uh, homered, and had two RBIs. So good for him. Listen, if I'm going to ragdoll Gallo and treat him like Gary Sanchez when he is not hitting, I'm going to do what I did with Gary when Gary hit. I'm going to give him credit. And so right now, I, I will definitely give props to Joey Gallo for turning it around. Josh Donaldson has also swung the bat a little better lately, right? This series for Donaldson, he had... Did he have two home runs? I think he had two home runs. I know he had a double in there. Uh, six RBIs. And he batted 294 in these four games. His OPS is now sitting in the mid-700s. And like we were just saying, his defense has been good all year. If Josh Donaldson could be a guy who could at least hover around 250 and touch 800 with the OPS, I, I like I've said at the start of the sh- at the start of the season, I would take that and run with it. Um, speaking of Donaldson, man, Tim Anderson. Is there a player who's softer in baseball than Tim Anderson? I'm gonna try to make this extremely short because I don't want to rant on it again. Between the tag the other night, complaining that he was tagged too hard, pushed me off the bag, boo-hoo. And then, this was a little less extreme, but the slide, what was it, the Game 3 slide, kind of confronts Donaldson a bit, trying to show him, it's like, dude, what? But that's why I love Donaldson, that's why we have Donaldson. You know, get that guy who plays with that competitive edge. Who, who can trigger other ballplayers. That's what that's exactly part of the reason Cashman made that deal, I guarantee you. So I love the culture change, right? I love that culture change that Donaldson has helped bring in. Rizzo brought, you know, he's a big part of that culture change too. 
good leader in that clubhouse. The guys like him in a very different way than Donaldson. Uh, but yeah, I mean that, that that's that's pretty much it. There's not much to complain about right now. The Yankees are 25 and nine, 18 and three in their last 21 games, and we've got the Baltimore Orioles up next for four games at Camden Yards. Four games. Now I um I would like to sweep this team. That'd be great. I mean, we, we hear like the Orioles are playing better lately. They're not going to be as bad this year. I mean, they're fourteen and twenty. They're, they're they're not very. I think they're fourteen and twenty one. They're not very good. They're not good. They're bad. They're terrible. All right. They're, there is still a team who needs to be the punching bag. So uh, it'd be a hell of a job for the Yankees if they can continue to uh, to roll over teams and pick up their what could be their. Um, Let's see, is it seven series wins in a row? Um, so hopefully they can make it eight. Hopefully we can sweep them. Nice, fat four-game sweep. So we'll see. That's it, guys. Thanks for tuning in. That's the show. RJ Carbone with episode 368 of BD4. Four-game set against the Eagles up next. Uh, we might do the same thing. Since it's a four-game set... There's a good chance we'll split it in half like we just did with this White Sox series and do two episodes for this series, depending on how busy I get. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, RJ Garbo, and you're listening to episode 368 of BD4, and I'll catch you in the next one. Ciao. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. It's the best way to make a podcast. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm.